Hey everybody, thanks for downloading episode two of the Agile Wire. Um, Jeff and I are going to talk a bit about liberating structures on this episode. Uh, hopefully you find some value out of that, and then we'll wrap things up talking about a few of the team building activities that we've done over the past few weeks with our teams internally. So thanks again for downloading and hope you enjoy the show. All right, and we're recording. So where did we, uh, where'd you want to start today, Mr. Boobles? Yeah, I wanted to start talking about facilitation. Um, running a number of experiments, been uh, trying a lot of different things with a number of teams, and just thought maybe we can jump into talking about facilitation and how it it really just changes the changes the whole entire um, way that meetings, the way that we collaborate, um, and can have some pretty awesome outcomes um, if we just change the way we we um, present uh, certain topics. Cool, and I'm That's assuming a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm assuming you're talking from a lot of the liberating structures that uh, you've been using since and including in the PSM2 course? Yeah, it kind of really started with the PSM2 course. So like back in December, um, Chad Fire and I went to uh, went to Tampa Bay, saw Ryan Ripley and uh, Todd um, teach that course. And it just, you know, I'd seen a number of liberating structures before that had, here and there, um, used a couple here and there, but wasn't like, and I'd read you know, about then there's about 40 of them that are out on the website or the app that you can download on your phone, but didn't feel like really comfortable stringing a bunch of them together. Um, hadn't used many of them in, you know, in, in different contexts. And after that course, I got really excited and started using them wherever I could. And then taught the PSM to, uh, for the first time in January, you, you know, you were there. Um, and after doing that and, and really using them, it, it really made me super comfortable with them. And, um, recently I did this, uh, um, this visioning session with a bunch of executives who were talking about, uh, our budgeting and prioritization process. And really what I did is I just strung a bunch of liberating structures together using like a business canvas to like, um, set the stage of what we were actually going to do. And, um, it was, it turned out really amazing. So I just kind of wanted to walk through maybe that at some point, just kind of share, how I did that, um, share some of the liberating structures I use and, and the impact that they kind of had. What do you think about that? Yeah, that'd be great because that's pretty much what I wanted to run past you and get your feedback on because I'm essentially going to be doing the same thing tomorrow. So um, before we do that, though, just for people that are listening, we're, we're talking about liberating structures. You mentioned the website uh, as well as the app, app. So I know that it is liberating structures is the name of the website out there, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And then I don't know if it's .com or .org, but it's, yeah, Liberating Structures is the name of the website. Okay. And then, um, in fact, I'm just going to pull it up real fast. Okay. So liberatingstructures.com. And then at the top, there's the, the LS menu. And inside of that is, looks like 33 different liberating structures that you can just kind of pull from. And I would say also having read through the site, kind of start with the one, two, four, all, because uh, many of them are kind of built on top of that. Um, and then you mentioned yeah. a mobile app. Yeah, there's also a Liberating Structures mobile app you can download from the App Store. Um, just gives you a lot of the same stuff that's on the website, but you can scroll through it much easier. Um, it's just, you know, it's an app, so it, it, it's a nice way to do that. It has some videos on how to facilitate different things. Uh, the other thing that I didn't realize that I learned a little while ago was that on the Liberating Structures website, they have them ordered by the easiest to hardest mm -hmm. to facilitate. So one, two, four, all is on the top. It's like pretty much the easiest one to do. And that's a great one to get started with. Okay. I didn't yeah, realize that's how that. they so, were ordered. 
Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for a hard one, go to the bottom or one that's more difficult, I guess. I mean, they're they're all effective in, in their own context, but those are some of the harder ones to facilitate. The easiest ones are towards the top. But let's just talk through one, two, four, all, just so people have an idea what a liberating structure even is. So they're microstructures that you can use within any kind of context and, and then link them together with other things. So let's just say we had a question we wanted to get um, an answer to. Maybe we have a group of people. We need to figure out how we're going to solve um, a certain solution, whatever it is, we need to get a bunch of different feedback from people. What you do is you, you pose a question or an invite and you say, like, how should we solve this X problem? And everybody takes one minute to write down their ideas, one idea per sticky note, and they just start making as many ideas as they can in a one minute time box. After that one minute time box, you then say, okay, now I Everybody find a partner, so they self-organize and they and they partner up with somebody and you give a two-minute time box. But in that two-minute time box, people add more ideas, they you know deduplicate ideas that they both came up with if they're the same, um, and then they have a conversation. After that two-minute time box, you do double dating. So two pairs, this you know, as you stay with your same pair, you may, you get together with another pair um, during that time frame. Once you've done that, you do you have a four-minute time box where you you go ahead and you, again, deduplicate, you add more ideas, and then you do the all is the last step. So you take all the groups of four and you and you put them together and and then you come up with whatever it is, a solution that you're gonna that you're gonna come up with that comes out of there. So it's it's like this um, dividing and then and then kind of coming back together. Um, so it, it works really well um, because everyone has a shared voice. Um, if there's a really, you know, outspoken person um, in your group, they can't dominate the conversation. So everybody kind of has that. Plus, there's power in numbers. So if somebody's maybe a little bit more um, soft-spoken, maybe they pitch the idea to their pair. Pair loves it. And then also they pitch the idea to the other pair, and they love it. Well, now it's a lot easier to maybe have a conversation about something that's even hard. You know, it's hard to have a conversation about if it's it's sensitive. Um, if you know you have some people that are in your group that like have already agreed, like yeah, that's a great idea. Let's talk about that and let's bring that up. So it it, it just seems like a, a really good, easy, liberating structure to start um, conversations with, and um, I, I highly recommend it. You could use it for like Scrum Masters could use it within a retro. I've used it there. You could use it in a team meeting. You can use it um, within your team just to solve anything that you, that comes out of it. Let's just say you were. You know, you're having a daily scrum and also you find out there's a problem that you need to solve and you say, well, let's figure it out after the daily scrum. You do a one, two, four, all with the team and, um, you know, come up with a creative way to solve that. And, you know, that only takes, let's just say, maybe 15 minutes to go through that whole process or it can take that long. Now, you can use a little longer time boxes if you want, if you have something bigger that you're going to talk about it. We used it the other day, remember, in a team meeting um, and we had this. Thing we wanted to review as a team and it was like this larger document and we wanted to give feedback well we did five minute um time boxes for each of them uh because we wanted to give people enough time to consume the information and, and then give feedback so you can expand those time boxes and customize them um if you need to so that's that's like one example of liberating structure so um let's see here Talking through it, totally got it. Do you have any more, hmm, let's say, uh, stories to tell about like other areas that you've used this in and kind of like how, how it actually yeah. played out? Yeah, so back to where I was going with this originally, I guess, is that um, 
a visioning session with the executive. So I created this canvas, right? And I had these things that we wanted to go through. So like a vision of what we're trying to accomplish with this new group that we're putting together, who are customers and users, what's our problems and our goals, you know, that we're trying, what's the problem and what's the goal to try to solve that problem? Um, what are those smaller things that we can break those goals down to what are some actionable things we want to do? And then like, what's the value prop for doing this thing? So it's kind of this canvas that I set up. And so what we did is we had two, two hour sessions In the first two hour session, um, I started with a liberating structure called impromptu networking, which is basically, um, I created these big post-it note boards and kind of just stuck them on around the room with different questions on there. And the questions I used were, um, what challenges linger from your last meeting? What hunches are you trying to confirm? What's the purpose of this group? And I think, yeah, it was just those three that I did. And then people got with a partner and they, and they went around and they added post-it notes to answer those questions. And then we kind of debriefed afterwards. That's kind of like how I set the stage um, to kind of get people like as mindset on what we were actually there to do. So hold on, let me, we did, let me jump yep, in real quick. Yep. Yeah. So what, yep. um, those three questions, did you, were those from, cause I, I haven't looked at that liberating structure yet. Were they kind of like, Hey, here are a few sample questions to start it off. Or did you pick them? You can pick them. Um, those I got, I, I got those from somewhere. I think I did get those from the liberating structures website. Um, or at least there was something similar to that there. And maybe I tweaked them a little bit. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, they're there, or you can ask anything you want to really, it's, it's really just to set a canvas up and just start asking some kind of powerful questions to like get people thinking about, um, about what you're there for. Cool. So what I was um, going to ask in, in there was where did you pick those questions specifically um, to kind of lead into something or was it really just to get people starting to think and open up and, you know, get in the mindset of, Hey, we're going to be sharing and collaborating with each other. Yeah. A lot of the people had worked, you know, together on something similar um, in the past, but some people had maybe didn't work um, all together and, you know, they're coming from all different spots, back-to-back meetings. These are leaders that are, constantly busy. So I just wanted to center their minds on what we were there to do for the next two hours. Um, I wanted them to partner up and kind of like just break that ice. So like everyone felt like they could share and we just kind of created the safe environment um, for sharing. And, you know, just kind of getting back to Esther Derby's like ways that you facilitate a retrospective or really, I think those five steps work well for any, really any meeting, you know, the set the stage, uh, gather data, uh, decide what to do, Sorry, I'm messing that up. What is it? Generate data. Generate insights. Oh yeah, generate insights. Decide what to do. Then then close the meeting, right? Or close, you know, closing. So um, yeah, so I just you know was kind of thinking that same thing. Like I needed to kind of get people's minds around what we're doing, and and so I thought I really like those powerful questions. They gave me a couple that were on the site there, and then um, so I think that's where it's like, oh, these are really good. I'm gonna start there and and see what happens from that. So we got the, so we went through, right? So we got that, that one done and we, you know, I set the time box for that too. So what I actually draw is this little like time clock that, um, the one that we use for the class where it's got the little time, it's a timer, time X timer and you just spin it. So you can see like you have a five minute time box and you can see the, the red part and it's like going down, you know how much your time box is. So I set that for, I think something like seven minutes to like go around the room or five minutes and then five minute debrief. So it's not, so just so it wasn't too long. Um, it kind of kept people 
but moving because they wanted to chat a whole bunch. So I'm just like, oh, we're time boxing everything. We're going to keep this thing moving. Um, and it beeps pretty loud. So like it, that was, we were like, well, that's a little annoying, but it kept us on track. So they really it did actually help a lot. I felt like and the next step was to set the vision. So what are we really, why is this group getting together? Why are we getting, doing what we're doing? And so we did a one, two, four, all, which I explained uh, a little earlier in the podcast about how you, you know, individually write, you partner up, then the two partners get together and four, and then we all discuss, came up with a vision, right? So we did that really fast. That came up, you know, maybe 10 minutes, right? We did this thing called appreciative interviews, and this was to help us define who our customers and who our users were. So customers and users being two different things, right? Customers are people that actually pay for whatever you're doing. Users are people that use it. Sometimes they're the same, but sometimes they're different. In this case, um, there were some that were the same and some that were different. We listed them all out. We kind of came came up with that. That helped us focus on who are we really doing what we're working on for. Like who is this? Who's going to use this? Who do we need to get buy-in and get feedback from early and often? Uh, once we did that, um, the next thing that we did is we needed to we had these problems that were written out um, that in the last meeting that I wasn't a part of. So they had this, of course, it was a big you know PowerPoint deck that had. Um, all these problems, right? Like, and all these, like, like these one pagers, right? And it was like 20, some of them, I think like 28 or 29 of these things. So what I had done pre is I just took a sticky note and took the problem statement that was on each one of those. And, um, and I'm like, this is just too many, but we got problems to start with. This is what you guys came up with. And so we, I created a now next later, um, board. So it just think of like a T chart, T chart with, you know, three different columns in it. And I had them go through, you know, one by one, grab these sticky notes, read what the problem was, and then say, do we need to tackle this now, meaning in the next, you know, three to four months later, like, let's just say four to seven months, four to eight months, or, or I'm sorry, next, you know, four to whatever it was, four to seven months, and then uh, later, which is like further down the road than seven months. So this kind of put them into two, into three buckets. So we did that. And uh, we broke it down. And of course, more things were in now than, you know, anywhere else, because everyone wants everything to be important. And then we just, I just, you know, asked some questions and really kind of dove in as like, are these really now? Like, do we really have to do all these? Um, trying to get it down to a, a more manageable number. So we, we did. Eventually, we got it to a pretty manageable number. And then um, we did another liberating structure called 2510. Um, and so what this one is, is you, everybody grabs those sticky notes. And let's just say, Jeff, you and I were um, each had a sticky note in our hand and we would we'd read them off to each other and we'd have five points to split between us on our two sticky notes. So on the back, then we would say I'd read we'd both read ours and then we would talk about it and we'd have a one minute time box. And so it'd be like, oh, how many points should we give yours? How much should we do mine? Well, yours is more valuable, Jeff. So why don't we put a four in yours and I'll put a one on mine? And you'd be like, yeah, that sounds fair. So I put a one on the back of mine. You put a four in yours and you'd be like, cool. That's what I wanted it originally. Or we might debate something and, you know, I'd say, actually, you know, how about three, two or something like that. And you're so giving about two minutes for a time box for this? Yeah, usually about a minute time okay. box per card. And then you do a round of like musical cards, right? Like it's like musical chairs, but you just kind of just flip the cards and rotate them throughout the room. You get a new card, you get to grab a new partner and you have another one minute time box. And now we have to split five points between those two cards and everybody's doing this, right? And so then let's say it's three, two, we decide to put in these two cards and you, so you write that on the back and flip the cards again, another, you know, time box for that. And then two new cards and then another partner. And then you do it again. So you do this five times 
Um, you may get a duplicate card in here that you're going to like look at twice, but like that's just you know the way it happens sometimes. But you try to get a you know different perspective and try to get as many different cards as you can to um, to talk about. Then um, after you do this five times, you add up the scores from the back. So the most you could get is 25. The least you could get is zero. And you just put them in a stack order. And so in this case, you know, we had our, our top ones at the top, you know, that were like 18, 19, and then some of the ones that were like maybe 10 towards the bottom. And so we had this ranking, a couple tied. So then we were just like, well, which one actually is more important? And the group just kind of like, yep, this one is definitely more important than that one. Self-selected it out, and we had this crowdsourced order. So that happened pretty fast. Um, once we once we had that that ordered list, um, we started talking about what what are those goals that how can we turn this stuff into a goal? Um, and so what we did is we 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 went ahead and um, put those into a fifteen percent solution. So we kind of went through those problems and we were like, what's fifteen percent of the solution we could come up with as a goal to solve this? And we broke up into small groups and kind of went through each one of those and then reviewed those as a as a as a larger group um, after Paris kind of came up with with their their solutions and then they got modified you know as we came together as a larger group and then that kind of concluded the first session that was like the first two hours but we had a list of then our vision our customers and users our problems our goals for the top whatever it was maybe top ten and um, and then we're ready to start actually diving in and breaking these things down into smaller chunks of that were more actionable in the next session. So we got started with that um, that next session, which was about a week later. And we and again, I had to, I kicked it off with something different. Um, this liberating structure called purpose to practice. And so the way that one works again, it was just to set the stage. Uh, I had this sheet that kind of had these five different things in it. First, it's like, what's our purpose for today? Uh, what of our principles? And I kind of aligned that around to like, what's our principles for this group? Um, participating like within this thing that we're working on. Um, what structures, like how, how we organize the group, things like that. And then practices we're going to follow. Just kind of like walking around those things in the context of a group. You could do this for a whole larger thing too, like for your whole entire team. And you could put it within that context and it works well. But it was a, a nice little thing just to kind of set the stage. Uh, once we had that, we did a one, two, four, all to start coming up with different problems for the first um, goal, or I'm sorry, actionable uh, goals for the, the larger goal and problem for the first one. And um, came up with a bunch of stuff. And after, you know, after that was done, we kind of started on the second one and it started to bleed into the third one and the fourth one. and. And all of a sudden it just turned into like this big organic like whiteboarding session where everybody was up at the board, you know, talking about the solution and what we could do and how we could structure things. And it just kind of turned into this, this big, um, this big collaborative meeting for like the next, I don't know, whatever it was, 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, we, we ended it with, with a pretty good plan coming forward of what we wanted to do and how we were going to structure some things. And, and it, it kind of solved a lot of the problems underneath it as we, as we kind of went through that. So I don't know that we would have got to that whiteboarding session without all these little microstructures and like collaboration in the time boxes in there because we tend, tend to spin a lot and sometimes with some of these, these larger groups. Um, or we go off on tangents or deep dive into something that isn't, isn't really on topic or we go way too deep. Uh, so this really helped give us focus, help us get alignment. And, um, I don't know, it was just super 
super energ energizing um, doing this, uh, both these sessions. Like everyone came out of it just excited and happy and like ready to like make this stuff happen. So I thought it was a, it was just a really cool way to string together a whole bunch of liberating structures, um, one right after another. And just, I never introduced them as liberating structures because these were executives and I thought they would be like, what is this like liberating structure thing? Like, I'm not going to participate. This sounds kind of weird. Um, but when I just said, I'm going to use some different microstructures to help facilitate. And it's just, just, you know, bear with me here. I think you're going to enjoy this. I think it's going to really, you know, drive the points that we're trying to get home and help us to, to get a lot done, um, in short time box that we actually have. And everyone, I had a number of people come up to me afterwards, just really excited with how far as we got and, and the input that we got and the collaboration and how we got this shared understanding. Um, and they were just really excited about it. So I thought it was a really successful session. Just wanted to share, um, that story. And I've been doing it, um, you know, more with teams too. I, I did some retros recently or a scrum master asked me to come in and, and, and facilitate a retro because they, they seem to be getting them maybe a little stale. And I used a couple of these liberating structures together there. Um, just the one, two, four, all just, and this was with remote teams. Even I did a one, two, four, all, um, which was kind of an interesting thing. Have you ever tried doing any deliberating structures with remote teams? So I have, and I was not thrilled with it. And I, I would say being on the receiving end of a one, two, four, all without knowing I was going to, like, it was not enjoyable. Mm. It was sure. like, it was being in a conference room with somebody who was on the line sitting at a noisy Starbucks. Mm. Yeah. And the one that I did, I think it worked okay because we were at two locations. Like the team was split into two locations. And so when we did the one part, you know, everyone did their one. And then the two, they did it within their location. And we just muted the phone on both lines and then turned the volume down. So they didn't hear all that background noise. The four, they were able to do that again. And then when we went to all, we just had the group conversation. So it actually worked in that context, I think, because of where everybody was located. But I can definitely see that if you don't have the right numbers, you have like a, a group of two on the line trying to work with another group of two, but everybody else is talking like that would be really hard. Um, yeah. I think to facilitate that unless I, you use I, great agree. tools, right? Like discord we talked about or something else. Like if you had something where you could kind of jump off into your own space and wouldn't have all that background noise, then, then it might work. Right. So, um, if you don't mind, what I want to try to do is transition to uh, the meeting that I was talking about specifically because it's it's right in line with what you were the the liberating structures that you were talking about. Sure. So I want to give you a little bit uh, a little bit of context as to what I'm getting roped into. So um, essentially, there's just some some um, issues that this team is running into, um, and it's more of a, a leadership team. So a couple of VPs and then a bunch of directors and they're trying to figure out what's what's going on or just a better way of, of working together. So essentially um, what I was thinking though was uh, just just coming in and doing right away that, that 2510. So just putting out uh, a, a typical question and I forget how we phrased that. I was do you have a, do you already have a list of like improvement items or something from the team? No. Okay. Nope. So this is going to be coming in fresh. And so I was talking with Tony and Conrad, um, I, and I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's essentially just a very generalistic question, which is if, if you could if you could improve one thing to produce the most amount of value, what would it be or something to that effect? Like it's basically what would the one 
um, improvement item B that you would want to work on. Um, and so the, the that that's the context. And now I kind of want to talk through tactically what we had come up with. So um, once everybody's in the room, self-organize, push all the tables out of the way, um, just have, have the seats there, um, have the sticky notes ready to go, put out that question and time box it to one minute. Um, and then very, very similar to the scenario that you were talking about before, just doing the 2510. So everybody um, pairs up one, maybe two minute time box, answer the question, vote on it, go around to the next group. Now, one thing I was kind of concerned about with this, and, and you've done this a few times now, and I wanted to get your feedback on it, was my only concern with doing uh, the complete swap with this is that you might get a sticky note, but not really understand what what it is, what what it is that original person was talking about. And so I wanted to get your your feedback on if you've run into that problem. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about was maybe instead of just completely swapping the notes around, like let's say that scenario you were talking about, where you and I, you come with with solution A, I've got solution B. We talk through it, we vote on it, but then at the end we switch cards and then we each have to go off and find a new partner. So the thing I was thinking about that was worst case scenario, we at least had talked about it the first time and we should have at least have a baseline understanding of what that solution kind of talks to. So, uh, but I, I don't even know if that's a, a problem I should be trying to solve for. So what are your thoughts on that yeah. part? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice little twist on on how it's typically ran um especially um you know if you think context could be lost i haven't seen i haven't been a part i mean i've done 25 10 quite a few times and i haven't seen that be an issue but many of the things i've been doing has been ordering like work items or it's been it has been continuous improvement items, but they were maybe been on a backlog or something like that so people had the context of what they were uh i don't know that i've I've run into where people didn't know what they were. Um, but, you know, in this case, if they're coming up with it and they want to have give more details, it's probably going to be a richer conversation if they if they have their, their own card and they can give those details and talk through them with another partner. And then that partner takes their card and they take their partner's card. Then they've got the context to give to that next person, right? Like if you just keep switching them that way, um, you're with the same card, you know, two times, oh, you just maybe 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 five i don't know is five going to be enough are you going to get the cards moved around the room enough or are you gonna are you gonna need a, little, a couple more rounds of switching i guess it depends on how many people you have yeah. um doing this right yeah i just wasn't again i wasn't sure if i was trying to over engineer this or like if this was really kind of an exception to the rule because again the, the few times i've done this i don't want to say they've been more general they just like it was literally in the PSM and I can't remember what the, or the PSM two, and I can't remember what the question is. You kind of see that conversation with, but it's like you're in a room full of scrum masters talking about scrum and how you could improve with something. So it's like, everybody is on the yeah. same page in here. It's going to be a lot of technical folks, but also legal HR. Um, I, I think the SVMO might be in there. Um, so you've got some specialists in the room as well. So that's, that's where I was a little bit afraid of it, but I, I think I'm leaning towards not and just kind of running it the way it's supposed to be per the, the, the yeah. lines on the site. So, yeah, I think you, I don't think, I think you, you could do it either way. I think okay. you'd be fine. I mean, that's a great thing about liberating structures that I found that even if you, even if you don't do them the way they they say to do them, even if you mess it up really bad, 
it's still probably a lot better than like a typical, like, let's just have a conversation type meeting, or I'm going to project a lot of things at you and then trying to like facilitate some kind of discussion. Like it just works out even in the worst scenario, I've seen it work out pretty well. So uh, I would, I wouldn't be afraid to experiment, but if you, I think the way it's normally structured would work fine too. So I leave okay. it up to you. So after we do the, the 2510, we have everybody quick line up, uh, discuss the, the order real fast, just to make sure nothing's, nothing's crazy, right? Like for the number one is in the fifth spot or something like that, just to make sure. Cause again, like, uh, we, we were talking about this, but you use data, but the data should be a conversation starter, um, not right. strictly going by it. Right. So. Um, and then at that point, what I was going to do was um, kind of jump into, and we haven't talked about this one, but the fishbowl. So mm. having all the, the tables and everything pushed out of the way, and then just a bigger circle of all of our participants on the outside, and then having the two VPs in the middle and whoever, whoever came up with this problem as the number one go into the middle um, and just starting a conversation. Um, and again, so the, the idea with, with the fishbowl is you're having a close, intimate, authentic conversation between people in the middle and then everybody around the outside is, um, in essence, spectating, but they're there to hear and listen to, um, the discussion that's going on from the people in the middle who are likely the ones who are going to be solving or have experience with the problem. So this, this is what I really I... like that idea, like the 2510 flowing into a fishbowl. I think that's awesome. Are you going to do the empty chair with the fishbowl where you have an empty chair and then people, you'll have, you know, the person coming up asking the question, but then there's a couple extra chairs and they always have to have one empty chair. So other people could come up and build on that one person's question if they want. And then, but if so, the chairs fill up, one person has to self-select out, like it's kind of this revolving door up front. So, yeah, so this is where I've been struggling with it. So really, uh, when I was reading through the liberating structure, for the fishbowl, it was talking about how it's generally imparting information from experts who have already solved the problem. So, um, and in this situation, we're trying to come up with a way of solving it, but I'm specifically having the two VPs there and the person who came up with this as the problem they wanna solve because essentially that's what the retrospective is about is it's these teams aren't, and, and the VPs just, they're not aligned at this point. And so that's kind of where we're, we're trying to get to. And so I wanted to start the three of them with that conversation. And so what I was originally thinking of was, yes, let's have a fourth chair there. So um, as people can get up and join that conversation, but then when somebody joins, there always has to be an empty chair. So somebody would have to leave the conversation at that point. What I was thinking about though was because it's not really imparting that information to the wider group, what I was thinking about was maybe just having the three of them or maybe a fourth chair um, for somebody to come in and join the conversation, but just time boxing the discussion to like 10 minutes. So mm. putting a minimum on that and then doing a one, two, four, all right after that. So we do the 2510 to start to get the ideas of all the, the issues that we could be working on. Then we do a 10 minute time box of those three people actually talking through it. And then hopefully the rest of the group is is paying attention and generating some insights of their own that we can then share in a one, two, four, all, and then kind of have a closer at the end of it. So my problem, or like, again, I'm not, I'm not totally sold on either way to go with this, is that I've got an hour time box to try and execute this all in. So I think the 2510 is likely gonna take about 10 to 15 minutes to do. 
Um, the fishbowl would be another 10 to 15, just, you know, moving about the room, people getting ready and then actually having a time box. Um, and then afterwards, whether we want to then go into the next issue, because remember, we're going to have like 10 or 12 different problems up at the board um, right. from what we ordered or doing a one, two, four, all on, Hey, the most important one that we were just discussing. And I think maybe we could play it by ear when it, we're actually in the room. But again, this is why I wanted to run this by you to think, Hey, what, what, mm -hmm. from your experience with it, any recommendations on your side, how many total people um, are you going to have in this? Did you say, I think maybe a dozen, a thousand. Okay. And two of them are the, those VPs that you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I, I like, I like the fishbowl you, and then falling into a one, two, four, all like, I, I do think that's a good way to make it actionable. Like, okay, what actual things are we going to do? However, I think the way, I think it's a great way that you have it set up to be facilitating this. I think it's going to take longer than an hour to go. Like you probably can only get through two of your, your top two items in an hour is what's going to really realistically happen. Yeah. And so, which, which I'm totally cool with. In fact, the director who called me in, like he wasn't even thinking of getting to the solutioning portion. He just wanted to get a mm -hmm. list of issues and order them. I'm like, oh, we, we can do that easy peasy. Let's actually like start to think yeah. about solving these things. Let's start getting a discussion. Well, at least that's my preference. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's kind of where yeah. my, my headspace was at. Yeah. If you can't get the, it to be a little longer then I don't, I think the way you have it structured sounds like a great idea. I think I wouldn't interested to hear how it's going to go. Um, and then maybe you, you know, I, I'm thinking this is going to go amazingly well. And if it does, then you'll just get another hour or whatever you need to keep the fishbowl, you know, one, two, four, all going to, to make it through the rest of those, those items that you want to get through. Um, right. I mean, you could just do that in a week or in a couple of days later or whatever, whenever you can get that scheduled. Sure. So um, if, if they do find it valuable. So just to loop back. So, cause there were a few different options in there. What you're thinking is, uh, go with the 2510, go into the fishbowl and then the one, two, four, all. Yeah, I think I think that's a good plan. My the other, when you were first explaining it, what I was originally thinking was, oh, do the twenty ten fishbowl, add, not have just three seats, but add, let's just say, I don't know, two more seats to it, and one always has to be empty, so you could have two people up there. And if so, then you just rotate in, and you could kind of like, they could present the problem. The other person could come up and they could, you know, build on that problem. And then other people could come in and, and those three would just rotate in and out. But maybe the VPs always stay. Um, if that kind of like help give context, if this is what we're, or it, maybe they don't. I don't know if they need to or not, depending on um, what you're trying to solve. But that could be one way to handle, handle that. Like just add more chairs and try to get at the solution within the fishbowl. Yeah. I, the, the thing I like about, in the fishbowl stage, if we just had the two VPs and then whoever came up with the idea is I feel like that's a really focused discussion. And if we're only giving them 10 minutes of a time box and maybe they only take five minutes, but then opening up to one, two, four, all and really, again, getting everybody's ideas yeah. out on the table with that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Actually. I, I like your idea better than what I was thinking. So I think okay, I a, sold you. I, Boom. We're done. You sold. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's awesome. You, Tell us how it goes after you do that. Are you doing it this week? Uh, tomorrow morning at nine. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I think that'll be cool. Nice.
Um, yeah, I did. So talking about things that, you know, different facilitation stuff that we've done recently, I, I paired on this workshop uh, last week, Wednesday. Um, and, I, you know, and I had seen the deck on it and I had talked with uh, the person who came up with it um, a while ago and totally was like bought into like the way that we were going to do this and like try to slice things minimally viable and kind of creating a, a user journey skeleton as we walk through it. Um, and she had like a specific way to, to kind of do that. And, but actually walking through it with her and like facilitating a large group this week was just awesome. Cause it, it's one thing to talk about it. It's one thing to see it, but actually to go through it um, really is a different experience as a facilitator. Uh, you know, you've, you've seen that, like we've talked about classes. We've taught you sat in classes before, but until you actually, as a person standing up there doing it with somebody, you don't get to that level of like being super comfortable with it. Or we might talk about a facilitation technique or like I talked to you about like a definition of done exercise um, the other day, but you're like, yeah, I kind of just need to see it. And then once you see it, yeah. you're like, Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, now I can maybe facilitate this. Um, so I think, I think, I don't know, just want to get back to like actually doing is so much more valuable and pairing with somebody than, than actually just talking about it and how I think as coaches, um, scrum masters, really anyone, I think the more you can be exposed to these different practices and these different tools to put things in your tool belt, uh, the better. And it's funny, but it's actually so much easier too. when you have these go to liberating structures, um, you just show up and make them do the work. Um, you know, I guess <laughs> yes, that's a simple way of thinking about it, but I mean, not only do you not have to like the mental burden of coming up with all these great exercises or trying to think how you're going to run it from end to end, but it's even like what I was just talking through, it's pretty lightweight from my perspective as, as far as facilitation, right? I just turn ownership, uh, and, and uh, accountability over to the team, just saying, Hey, here's, here's our guardrails, right? Here's, Here's how yeah. we're going to go about it, and here's what we're looking to to get out of this at the end. So, um, definitely a lot easier than trying to come up with a 40, 40 page PowerPoint deck of how we're going to proceed with the meeting. So, right, right, yeah. And as long as you understand, like, hey, I just got to ask to ask questions. I got to keep it moving. I got to, you know, fill my time. Not that I got to fill your time box, but I have a time box, and I need to, you know, watch and and play with that um, to get to the within a certain time frame but i need to like join different conversations together and, and and help you know make voices equal like you can just show up and just start doing this stuff which is pretty awesome like you're talking about so we did the um the icky icky guy icky guy icky guy <laughs> like i think of the video <laughs> she sent out uh about not, yeah. not the yeah. icky guy and so just for so just for everybody it's it's why just like like saying it kind of differently because it's spelled different it's i-k-i-g-a-i -I -I, right like it's it's a japanese word uh, and it's i don't know you you explain it you, you know man you, i'll probably was, butcher four it. Different... <laughs> yeah so okay. just kind of the really the the purpose was trying to find what what brings you joy in life um so let's see what are the, the four categories i know the thing that the thing that makes you money uh, so in other words the thing that you can get paid for the thing that brings you joy yeah. um the what the world needs so like 
maybe more joyfulness, maybe more professionalism, whatever you think the world needs. And do you remember what the fourth one was? I'm sure well, Google I, could tell us. Yeah, I don't remember what the fourth one was. You have to look it up here quick. Yeah, I'm pulling it up now. Oh, yeah, what you love. Okay, so what, what you, you love, love yeah. what you're good at, what you can get paid for, and then what the world needs. And it, essentially, it's Venn diagram, right? Just seeing where these things intersect with one another um, and trying to come up with what what really completes you or brings you joy in life is that center area, the Ikigai. So we, our team did this as kind of like a team building event. Um, so everybody was asked to kind of fill this out on their own. And then we had a, a pretty cool sharing sharing session. And, you know, the for me personally, filling it out was it was difficult. Um, you know, I, I think I knew what I was good at. I think I knew what I could get paid for. What I loved was different for me. And then what the world needs. I was like, man, like there's not enough space <laughs> on this thing for what the world needs. Um, but it, it was it was very cool getting to hear everybody else's um, and putting that all together. And, you know, it's you know, it's not a disc assessment. It's not a Myers-Briggs survey or any of the other ones that are out there. Um, but it was it was a cool reason to get together and talk about, you know, what, what really completes each of us as, as people and not just um, workers. So what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, we had just done this thing where we, uh, our personal T's, like T-shaped skill sets, where we did it with like our, our personal lives and had talked about it as a group and I was like, well, how is this thing really different? So I, and my initial reaction was, ah, one more thing I got to do, you know, before this team meeting um, to put together something. Um, and we just did something like this. But but did it, you know, I was like, okay, you know, it was pretty easy to put together. Um, and then we started talking about it as a group. And I was like, oh, people were putting things down. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a good thing. I should put this in mind. And I kept building on it as people were adding stuff and, but then people started going off like script a little bit on their ikigai and, and really getting into their personal lives and who they were and what makes them tick and just got really authentic and, and vulnerable. And I think that moment was what I was the benefit of the ikigai. The, the tool itself, um, is, it can be great. I'm sure a lot of people really love it, but I think it was um, it was more the sharing from a, from a vulnerability standpoint, authentic uh, an authenticity that really um, helped, I think, again, build uh, a more of a connection within our team. Um, and so I thought that was great. So I, so that was the part I really liked about it. Uh, it's just another tool that's out there. Um, if you're a, you know, scrum master, a coach, somebody who, manager, leader, and you want to do something to, um, to maybe bring a little more of the human element back into your, to your workplace, uh, it's, it seems like so often we, we get very transactional at work. It's like, what do I need today to get the, these tasks done? And we're very just task focused. This kind of brings the people factor back into it. And um, I think there's a number of times where we just need to do that. Because uh, that we are all just people working together. And, and if we have a closer connection, it, it just it helps make work more enjoyable and it helps us uh, remember what really is important and, and build connections for when we're going to have those moments of conflict and we're going to have those things where we need to um, kind of, you know, push each other or if we need to, whatever might happen, like having a, a bank account where it's like of, of 
emotion or of good things that have happened between you and another person um, can help you get through a, you know, a tough, a tough thing um, within the workplace. So yeah, so that's another tool that's out there. It's something um, we used. Uh, we also did another team building activity not too long ago, that table one. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe we could talk through that. So I thought that was kind of a cool, cool exercise. And so what we did is we just, uh, we had this table that was drawn and it was like, we've presented the scenario. You're going to go to a career fair and you're going to, uh, you're going to sell yourself. Like, what would you put on the table? Like, these are my skills. So everybody kind of did their own way and put different things that they would say that, you know, they're great at from a skills standpoint. Then under the table were those like, what are those things that we can't see? Maybe they're soft skills. Maybe they're, you know, hobbies you have that we no one ever knew you played an instrument, uh, you know, on the weekends or whatever it is. Like, what are those things that maybe we don't see on the surface or maybe we don't know that, you know, are really a part of you that, that make you who you are and, and, you know, might help you in the workplace. And then there's this cloud kind of above the table. And what are those things you're really striving for? What do you want to learn? Where do you want to grow in the future? And so everyone kind of filled those out. And what we didn't, we, we were going to do this, but we, um, we didn't do it this way when we did it um, within our coaching group, Jeff. But I saw a team where I, I paired with another coach, uh, Conrad, and we, and we did this. Uh, this part, and I think this was really impactful. So then after everyone kind of went through and created their own table, they went up and presented it in front of the group and talked about it. And, and then there are three different color post-its that people had. And they threw one color on for, this is something that I'm really excited about, that you, the skill that you have, and, um, and I want to know more about it. And then they had another color for, this is something that you didn't say that you ha- that you have a skill for, but I know you do because I've seen you demonstrate this. And then this is something I can help you with. So maybe something that was up in the cloud. It's like, oh, you want to know, I don't know, this new, how to use this new, you know, framework or something like that. I've got experience in that. I can help you with that. Cool. Uh, actually, one of them was like, I want to learn this new language. And someone's like, oh, that's my, you know, second language. I could help you with that. So I don't know. It was kind of a cool thing that totally came out of this um, when we did it with the team. Uh, but it, it felt really connected after we went through this. Um, people felt very appreciative of their coworkers. Um, just people coming up and saying, hey, you know, you have this skill. You may not be recognizing it, but I recognize it. And I'm really excited about these skills that you have. And I want to learn more from you. And here's how I can help you. And so it just, people went through it and it just felt really um, humanizing, I guess, going through that. Humanizing work um, is, is what I would, I would say. And it, it just built a lot of connections on the team. So uh, just another tool that's out there, another you know, way to facilitate a conversation uh, that, that builds team, um, team camaraderie. Yeah, in fact, I mean. So what when, do you think, Jeff? When... We've been talking. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, one of the things that came out of that for you and I was literally the podcast because that's where we were thinking about the cloud, right? So what are the things that we want to, what are the those aspirational <laughs> yeah. things we want to do? And we're like, hey, let's do a podcast. And we're like, all right, cool. Let's give it a try. So, um, so yeah, but before we wrap up, though, I wanted to just quick, um, we'll probably have another episode out before them, but just putting it on people's radar. So we just did a, a talk with Milwaukee Agile last week that meetup uh met a lot of really cool people um if anybody's listening thanks thanks for coming out and see us one more time 
Um, and then we're going to be doing that same talk. So the superpowers of product ownership, we're going to be talking about that at the Milwaukee Product Brew, which is another meetup hosted at NM. Um, unfortunately, I don't know exactly when it is. It's either April or May. Um, I think it's April, right? Oh, it's May 21st. Here we go. Superpowers of product oh, ownership with Jeff Molesky and Jeff Wubles. Okay. That's us. Boom. Yeah. So yep. just, just putting that out there. If, uh, if you haven't heard the talk, it's, you know, um, just hawking our wares here, but uh, I think it's I think it's a, a worthwhile evening to come out and check that one out. So again, uh, Tuesday, May 21st at 5.30 at Cream City Labs. Was there anything else you've got coming up here, Jeff? Yeah, we've got, well, we've got a couple other conferences that we're talking at, right? We just, we got accepted to IBAD and Iowa. So it's, um, we're giving our, that product owner talk, we're giving our new uh, building resilience teams talk. Uh, I'm doing my Agile Loops talk with Jeff or with our, um, Chad and also doing, we're doing on a panel for that one. It's like the Jeff and Chad show, the Jeff's yeah. and Chad show, I should say. And that's, um, that's May 9th and 10th. We're doing, yeah, May, May 9th, 9th and 10th, 10th and then, in Central Iowa. Yeah. And then we're doing PDD in Madison. Um, so we're, we're, we've got a number of talks there that we're doing. We've got another fishbowl that we're going to do as a conference talk, like Ask Me Anything Agile where um, Chad, Jeff, and I are going to be kind of in the middle. We're going to have some open seats, and then people are sitting around us. And kind of like Jeff was explained before with the fishbowl, people can kind of come up. They're going to be able to ask us anything that they want, and then we'll always leave an open seat, so people just kind of self-select in and out. And we're just going to have a conversation about anything Agile. Uh, we're also giving our product owner talk there, and uh, Chad and I are doing our Agile Loops talk there again. So a couple different opportunities to see these, these new talks that we have if you're, if you're in the Wisconsin area. Yeah, and that's May 9th as well. So we'll be there on the 9th and then 10th for, or that evening. We're going to drive down to Iowa <laughs> and then do the same thing on the 10th. So uh, a few different opportunities coming up. See a lot of awesome talks. So anything else you want to close out with, Jeff? Um, no, but if, uh, if anyone is um, looking for professional scrum training, I do have a number of courses that I'm offering um, in Chicago, actually. Um, over the next few months, uh, we'll put a link out in the show notes. If you want to get to it, there's lots of stuff on there, but, uh, product owner, PSM, PSM two, um, courses, um, all going to be offered in the next, next few months. So just wanted to throw that out there. If you want to spend some more time, spend two days talking about scrum and, and, uh, kind of how to take, take that to the next level with your teams. Um, I'd love to have you there. Awesome. All right, man, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for your time.